Hi there, it's Dallas Travers. Thanks so much for tuning in. You are indeed listening to Coaches on a Mission, the podcast for values-driven coaches who want a business you're really proud of. The episode you're about to listen to was recorded before we changed the name of the show to Coaches on a Mission. So you're gonna hear a reference to the Six Figure Coach podcast. Never fear, you're totally in the right place. These episodes were just way too good to remove from our archive. So I hope you enjoy and thanks again for tuning in. Hi there, it's Dallas Travers. You're listening to the Six Figure Coach Podcast, the place to be if you want to build a six-figure coaching business without burning out or selling out. So back in episodes 13 and 15, I coached two different volunteers through creating a hiring plan. But hiring a new team member, I'm sorry to say this, but it's the easy part. The real work begins when it's time to onboard that person and set them up for long-term success. So that's where Tiana Tai comes in. She's the founder of The Leader Circle and the premier team dynamics consultant for entrepreneurs committed to building high-performing teams to scale their businesses and reclaim their zone of genius. Today, Tiana and I talk about the right way to onboard and train your team, plus the importance of setting clear expectations and key performance indicators so everybody knows where they stand and what success in their role actually looks like. Tiana and I also talked about a mistake most coaches make when training, or should I actually say not training their new team members? I am so guilty of this mistake early on in my business. And then lastly, we just addressed why it's important to host regular team meetings for everybody who works for you. Yes, even that VA who clocks about 10 hours a month. So as a trained industrial organizational psychologist, Tiana's expertise in hiring, team dynamics, and transformational leadership make her truly your secret weapon for managing all things on the people side of your business. I learned so much from our conversation, and I'm sure it'll be the same for you. Now, before we dig in, I want you to press pause and go grab a fun daily work log Tiana created just for you. It's a great way to audit your time and figure out which tasks you should delegate to a new team member. She'll even give you bonus points if you outline the tasks that are revenue generating. So can you say immediate hiring ROI? I think so. You can grab Tiana's daily work log now at tianatai.com slash daily dash work dash log. We of course will link that in the show notes. And now Tiana Tai. Tiana Tai, I am selfish because we just made a really big hire in my company. So I just had to say to myself, oh, you are so smart bringing her in (laughs) for your show. So there's my evil plan. Thank you so much for coming on the Six Figure Coach podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm always a fan of work smarter. So evil genius on 10. I'm here for it. (laughs) Great. I love it. Um, Our listeners tend to be coaches who are on the cusp of breaking through to a new level of who they are as leaders, which shows up in the income that they're generating, the impact that they're having, all of those pieces. And a big part of that growth for them includes hiring smarter, delegating better, and actually 
having a methodology to track their progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were on the hunt for an expert to bring on the show who could speak into that. And you are the person to speak into that. So I'm really excited to dive in today. Yes. So just to lay the groundwork for our listeners, what we're going to talk about today is first onboarding, onboarding new team members. Then we're going to talk about KPIs, which are key performance indicators. And I have to confess, when uh, Tiana and I were talking before the recording, I suggested talking about KPIs last. And you said, "Uh uh-uh, it goes second. So Mm -hmm. we'll talk about why, because I can tell you really feel they're important, (laughs) right? And then we'll wrap up the conversation just talking about best practices for training your team and managing your team. Sound good? Beautiful. I'm game. Let's do it. Okay. So my first question for you around onboarding new team members, I just would love to hear about the common mistakes that you think most online entrepreneurs make when they're onboarding someone new to their team. Ooh, good question. I would say common mistake is thinking that the one-day orientation situation is onboarding. (laughs) Right. Right. It's not. I'm so sorry, guys. That is not actually a full-on onboarding process. I was just talking to someone about this the other day because they, we had this whole conversation around their own expectations when they first started to become a leader and hire and do all of the things. And it took them years to actually recognize that there was a pattern. And quite mm-hmm. frankly, it takes someone typically on average about three months to become fully settled in their role. And that's if they're coming to the table with like all of the relevant experience and skill sets, right? So biggest mistake is thinking that we can do, you know, even an intense, like full on eight hour one day experience, and then they should be set. They should be good to go. Everything should be firing on all cylinders. We're really setting ourselves up for disappointment, honestly, as CEOs, and we're setting our new team members up for failure. So talk me through then if you were in charge of everybody uh-huh. I like <laughs> and it. got right and got to design the way we all onboard. What does that look like? Ooh, good question. So I always think about onboarding across 90 days. And yeah. that's that's kind of standard for someone like me. Like we all pretty much are gung-ho for the whole 90-day approach. Like we're learning all about the company itself, the the fundamental information, mission, vision, who we're serving. Although you probably, and I hope so, talk to them about that stuff during the hiring process, we definitely spend a lot of time just like re-bringing it to the surface, like talking about it again and again, really making sure that it hits home for them and that you're specifically applying it to this new role that they've taken on, right? And from there, we're moving into the systems and all of the, you know, the tech stuff that we're utilizing. And I find a lot of clients that I've worked with who have like educational platforms, right? They're coaches or consultants and they have programs and courses. They often find that within those first four weeks, they're having their new hires take all of their programs as well. And that's a really fun one because from my perspective, I don't really care whether you're working admin for me, you're my marketer, you're an intern, or you're a graphic designer. If you actually have deep, like deep understanding of not only what I do, but how I do it and how it's different, that's going to help anybody on my team do their job better. Yeah, no question. I'm so glad you brought this up because I think for a lot of people, it's easy to assume that they're either wasting time or money or both Mm -hmm. by having an intern go through the whole course, right? My entire team shows up to all of our Six Figure Coach Club calls, and it's easy to think that's not relevant, but 
you need to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want you, I want my team to feel as invested in our community and in the company as I am. And one way to do that is to actually include them in what's going on and in the the mission that, that, that we're living by in the business. So I'm so glad you brought that up. I love that. That's a super good point because I, you know, I've been talking to some CEOs behind the scenes and whatnot. And one of the issues that we've come across is when they don't include all of the team members in any capacity with client work, we often find there's like a little bit of disconnect and, and lack of engagement with the team because yeah, they're doing their job. And theoretically they know that they're like helping women build businesses or helping businesses achieve greater impact or what have you. But to them, it's still kind of just like the thing we say, the slogan. And it does really help to expose them to things like that so that there's really some meat to, you know, how committed and engaged they are to the mission. Good one. I think it also, tell me your thoughts on this, Mm -hmm. helps team members rely on each other more when it's time to problem solve or to be accountable or just execute on their roles instead of the CEO being the bottleneck because everything has to go through that person. It definitely does. Uh, Just from the perspective of, let's say it's like two people who are somewhat involved in serving the clients in some capacity, obviously having like that deeper insight into exactly what everything looks like, that's an education. You know what I mean? We go to school to learn certain things. You exposing them to that is educating them on the nuances of their roles, right? But beyond that, a lot of times what I see when it comes to like avoiding the CEO becoming the bottleneck is actually just increased collaboration period among team members. Because Mm. for entrepreneurs, especially those of us with virtual teams, which is my jam, but with virtual teams, Mm -hmm. we often like, we work very one-on-one. I mean, not one-on-one autonomously. Like we put our heads down and do our work nine times out of 10, which is fantastic for productivity. But at the same time, if your team members are used to not interacting with one another, that automatically is just kind of positioning you to be the through person for any and all questions. Whereas if they have those relationships, if they're used to collaborating, if they, this is a big one, if they have clarity for exactly how each of them show up and serve the business in their own capacity, it becomes a lot easier for them to actually function as a team. Right. Right. Okay. So we're talking about the ideal 90 days. Tiana's in charge of all of us. So I was like, (laughs) First month is setting that firm foundation company Mm -hmm. culture and really just getting them integrated into every aspect of the business so that they can embody that in their siloed position. So what, how does it go from there? Yeah. The remaining two months, they're a lot more flexible, right? Mm -hmm. So what I've seen be really, really successful actually, especially if it's a new role in your company that you haven't hired for before or something of that nature is going ahead and thinking about what types of projects you would want them to do in the first couple of months, like kind of meatier things, right? Where they could really sink their teeth in and focus on those things. Because what happens is, and most of us have been through this before, especially if we haven't hired before, as soon as they get in, we're just like, oh my gosh, they're going to help me so much, take all the weight off my shoulders. (laughs) And then the new weight on our shoulders becomes, what the heck am I supposed to have them do? It's like, I knew I wanted a social media manager, but I don't know how to break down what these tasks are. (laughs) You know what I mean? So beyond, obviously, 
like seriously, guys, we've got a resource. She's going to put it in the notes, but like thinking through what tasks need to get delegated on the front end, on the back end, if we go ahead and assign some sort of project for the second and third month, that can one, occupy their time with something a little meatier than maybe like the daily tasks, but two, it gives you something, again, meteor, I keep using that word, but it gives you something to really be able to look at what the output of that project was and sink your teeth into, hmm, okay, I see some areas that we can develop because one of the really big things that goes across all three months, all 90 days, is we're doing daily check-ins nine times out of 10, Mm -hmm. and we are delivering consistent feedback. This is the most feedback you will ever give in your whole life is these first 90 days. But if you commit to it, and if you do it for 90 days, it will make the rest of the process so much smoother. Totally, totally. So tell me, what shape does the feedback take? Mm -hmm. Any suggestions around that? Good question. So normally what I've seen is it's like end of the day feedback, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people will use like very informal Slack, email, whatever your system is. And they'll do just like a quick check-in at the end of every day, honestly. And fun fact, I will throw this in here. Some of my clients, they're just like, I don't want to be held accountable for checking in every day. Like I'm going to forget. And it's like, that's great. Let's put the onus on the new hire. They need to come to you every day easy fix. You know what I mean? So they'll come in, they'll say, Hey, this is what I focused on today. This was my hangup or I didn't have a hangup. Everything was totally smooth. And I have no questions as super simple. This is not war and peace. It should be like a three sentence check-in or a 30 second phone call. It's not a big deal, but the more, I guess, intense feedback that would be kind of more formalized. And that happens at the end of each month where you're sitting down and you're like, okay, these were the goals that we talked about this month. Let's break down what we've achieved, what's been hard, where we need help. You know, does this role even look like you expected it to look like? Let's keep it real with each other. Is anything not driving with you? Just having those types of conversations is really, really impactful. And it sets such a beautiful foundation for how the relationship will function for as mm-hmm. long as you're working together. You know, I remember I've been married 14 years so with my husband for like 17 years or something, right? Mm-hmm. And when we first met, he worked the overnight shift and I woke up at about 6 a.m., which was when he was going to bed. So we got very quickly into this routine of he would call me at six in the morning and that mm-hmm. was when we spoke. And then there was one morning when he didn't call me and I went to all of the places, (laughs) right? (laughs) Mentally, just, I was so, it was such an interruption in this pattern that it was triggering and upsetting for me, right? But my point here is we unconsciously design the the shape of relationships, right? So by what I'm hearing you say is by having regular daily check-ins, we're now consciously designing the shape of the relationship. Absolutely. And, you know, I've worked with CEOs where they're chasing their team members for updates. You know what I mean? Like even if the team member knows like I'm doing this project, I know that it's time sensitive or what have you. Maybe they didn't finish the project and they're just like, oh, I'm going to finish it in the morning and they don't send the quick update. Right. And that becomes really, really frustrating. And like you said, it's just a behavioral pattern. So it's really helpful 
if you can go ahead and set the tone from the beginning, you can always course correct. No harm, no foul. We can move backwards if we need to. But if you're onboarding and you can set that tone and scale it back as you see appropriate, like it's your company at the end of the day, but it's a lot easier. It's like, you know, raise a child well and they, they'll they be all right. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot easier to start there for sure. Yep. I'm with you. The most common and most dangerous question other coaches ask me is this, what more should I be doing? This question, it keeps you stuck scrambling every month to find more clients, throwing a launch together at the very last minute, or just trying to put together some semblance of a business strategy from all the free stuff you can find online. So instead of asking, what more should I be doing? The real question here is, how can I do less? Or where can I go deeper? These are the questions we'll tackle inside a brand new class for coaches called the Coach Class. So if you're tired of winging it, second guessing yourself at every turn, or working way too hard to keep your business running, the Coach Class could just change your life. Go to watchthecoachclass.com right now to grab your free spot inside this special webinar. You know, there is an easier path to six figures and the coach class will show it to you. Registration is open this week. So again, the URL is watchthecoachclass.com. I will see you over there. Okay, so my next question a lot of our listeners aren't even really thinking about hiring employees as much as bringing on contractors yeah. or their next VA. So what is the onboarding? How does it, if at all, how does it look different when I'm onboarding a, a VA versus an employee? Great question. So yes, most of the time entrepreneur, especially if we haven't hit like 300K plus, really? I rarely see people hiring like full-on employees, whether they're part-time or full-time, just the whole conversation around benefits and payroll and that whole shebang usually happens a bit later, right? So if we're onboarding contractors, the main difference that I would want to point out is if they're not full-time, right, they have other commitments. And that's the name of the game with all areas of team management when it comes to we have contractors, part-time contractors on our teams is the fact that because they're not full-time, they're probably on one, two, maybe even four or five other people's teams. Like I've seen someone on seven people's teams. The ding on team meetings was half of their life, just meeting weekly with all seven teams. You know what I mean? And if you think about it in that context, you realize, ooh, logistically things can get kind of messy really quickly. So first recommendation I would make is definitely just having open, honest conversation with the contractor around what's your capacity for clients, how many teams are you on, that sort of thing. Not as a reason to like judge or anything like that, but just to have a realistic picture of what their time looks like. Because what's going to happen is as you're scheduling, you know, the weekly or bi-monthly team meetings, you got to take that into account. If you wanted to bring everybody together for a team retreat or this training or that training, you just have to be you have to be aware of the fact that it's not the standard situation where if it's a weekday, it's fair game. That's Mm -hmm. not how it works with contractors. We have to be a lot more understanding of their other commitments. I could see a listener assuming that they don't, they can skip the whole part about company culture and values (laughs) (laughs) with contractors. I'd love to hear your advice around that. 
good question. Please say what I hope you're going to say, by the way. <laughs> my my look, my personal philosophy is if you're contributing to my business, my clients, the bottom line, the whole shebang, you're on my team. Yep. So my interns, they know our core values. My interns are invited to the company parties. They get all the resources. They get my mentorship as well because they're interns. But when I say we take culture extremely seriously, that's what I mean. Technically speaking, do I need your freelancer who only does one project for you a year to know your core values? Okay, no. (laughs) But if it's a contractor contributing to your business on a regular basis, i.e. they work for you at least 10 hours a week, every week, yes, they are your team. We need to go ahead and create team culture. And one of the things I just always want to just uh, like shake it into people is the (laughs) fact that your team is directly tied to the success of your company. And as business owners, our company is our baby, right? Like we bootstrap, we stay up late, we do all the things to make them as successful as they are to even be able to bring on a team. So why would we want to invite in people who could harm our baby? You know what I mean? First of all, no, no, no. But we also want to make sure that they are lit up around our core values, that they are lit up around our mission and vision, because whether they're full-time or part-time, they're impacting indirectly or directly. I don't know. You could hire a co-coach or something. They're impacting your clients. They're impacting the way your company shows up. Your clients don't necessarily care whether it was a contractor or a full-time team member who sent them that email that offended them. Yeah, they don't. We don't care. You know what I mean? To me, they are a representation of your company, period. So when we talk about building culture and doing all these things and investing in our teams, that's why people are kind of shocked when I say it. But I'm like, no, no, no. I'm talking about everybody on your team. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. (laughs) I could go on, but in the past, I've made the mistake of hiring for convenience Mm -hmm. or and also choosing efficiency over relationships, right? Yep. Or or core values even. And it's always bitten me in the ass. Mm-hmm. So I just, I've, I think I've learned that lesson the hard way. And it's the, the time spent really indoctrinating every member yeah. of your team is going to pay off in multiples. So like we can't skip that step. I'm so glad. Oh yeah. It's like setting a foundation, right? If the yeah. foundation to your house isn't strong, it's going to crumble, period. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah, great. Well, let's shift gears a little bit because another topic that I'm quite passionate about, and I know you are too, are KPIs. I love KPIs. I love data. One of our mantras inside the Six Figure Coach Club is drama over data. Or should be the other way. I said it wrong. It's data over drama, right? Good. I'm glad. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, huh, what an interesting program you run. Mm. Um, So just really looking at the facts of a situation before we make a decision, right? Mm -hmm. So talk about maybe we'll create some context first, right? Like what are key performance indicators and why are they important? Oh, good, good, good. Let's start at the beginning. So key performance indicators, AKA KPIs, you'll hear people refer to them that way all the time. They're essentially a measurement that operationalizes the performance that you want to see out of your team members, right? So for example, your social media manager would likely, hopefully, have a different set of KPIs as your 
trying to think of another role as your podcast manager or as your community manager or what have you, right? Mm -hmm. The KPIs look different because the role is different and the way they're supposed to contribute to the company and to your clients is very different. But the key thing with KPIs is big word that we always use. They are operationalizable, right? We can define them in a way that explicitly paints the picture of what great looks like, not what good looks like, what great looks like. You know what I mean? So we're using numbers. We're using very specific information to ensure that if we, you know, are doing a, uh, we're having a feedback conversation at the end of the month, or we're having a feedback conversation after a big launch, right? We can say, okay, we actually went and we developed a specific set of KPIs just for this launch. That's an option. Really, really good one, by the way. Right. So let's talk about what we achieved, what we fell short of, what would have helped us do better. Like, let's have that conversation. And you can really gear it, again, I use the word a lot, very specifically Mm -hmm. towards what that person's KPIs were, right? So very much like a goal, very much super similar, but a lot of times it's all about the measurement part of it. Right. So could you, I might be putting you on the spot here so I can Mm -hmm. help if you need it, but give us an example of a KPI of like of how it's measurable. Let me think of an example. Let's see. Okay. I'll go back with social media manager. Let's say uh, your platform of choice was LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm. So in KPI could be, I want to, I not, I want to, cause I'm not social media manager, but the social media manager should increase LinkedIn connections by 10 ICAs per week. And that would be a very general KPI that just exists across time. Maybe we increase that number or decrease that number based on the success over a couple of months. But that is a very, very specific, measurable, attainable, what's the word, relevant and time bound. We use, I always use, you heard of SMART goals, right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually use the SMART goal framework to think about KPIs because we use a lot of different words for all the same concepts anyways. So that's a really good way to check and make sure that your KPI really is measurable. Yeah. I love that you're saying this because where I find KPIs to be, I find them to be valuable in a lot of areas, but two Mm -hmm. specifically I want to speak into. One is the difference (laughs) between, okay, we just finished a launch, right? Mm -hmm. It went great. People loved it. You know, I feel fabulous. Yes, we filled (laughs) the program. And that all sounds fantastic and congratulations, but Mm -hmm. how do you know where to improve, right? Or where to stay the hell away because it works really, really well if you don't have numbers attached to what Mm -hmm. otherwise is just a bunch of feelings, right? I can't tell you how often I have clients say, like, everybody said they loved it, right? Like, I had a webinar. Everybody said they loved it. And well, what does that actually mean? And sometimes it means I got three emails from Mm -hmm. people thanking me for the class. So by establishing KPIs, it, it really either affirms or not that emotional response we have to our own efforts. And the other big benefit I have found is my team knows when they're on track and when they're not. Mm -hmm. There's no guessing at all. And that's been so empowering for them just to, to know where they stand. Absolutely. And I go back to the example you gave with the webinar, right? Because success And it's up to you how you define what success looks like, obviously, but Mm -hmm. three emails versus three client conversions into whatever the heck I was selling on the dang on webinar, 
two very different outcomes, right? Very different. And that's why KPIs are powerful because we get really, again, the first S in SMART or the only S in SMART, LOL, is specific. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's helpful. That's helpful. So I'm just curious, before we began recording, I said, here's the order I think we should go, Mm -hmm. right? And your feedback was, no, we need to talk about KPIs second. Yeah. So tell me more about, Ah. just to bring everybody in, we're talking about onboarding, we're talking about training and managing, and we're talking about KPIs. So Mm -hmm. why is it important to clarify KPIs before having a conversation about training and managing? Great question. I was waiting for this one. (laughs) So simply put, KPIs are actually something that you can start developing before you actually make the hire. Mm -hmm. Fun fact. So you can, you know, if you craft a job description, you open up the role for hiring, you can proactively actually start to think through some of those KPIs. And the people that do that during the onboarding phase, they tend to check in with the new hire and say, okay, these are the KPIs I've outlined, you know, based on my knowledge. Maybe I don't even know that much about marketing, but this is what I think should be the situation. And that can really be a foundation for the conversation around from their point of view, from their expertise, what is actually realistic, right? So did you say, I want you to, you know, get a hundred new followers a day on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, maybe I know some strategies we can employ that would make that happen, but you're going to need an advertising budget. You're going to need this. You're going to need that, right? So that's why I actually wanted to talk about them second, because when it comes to fully onboarding and training and whatnot, developing those KPIs is actually a very, very powerful initial step that someone can take. It also, I can imagine, creates a framework for those daily check-ins and the the monthly bigger meetings, right? Yep, sure can. So Tiana, do you recommend, how do you recommend forming KPIs? And what I mean is, should I sit at my desk and think about every person's KPIs and then show them their KPIs? Should it be collaborative? What have you seen work? I've seen both. So you could sit down, think through everybody's role yourself as the CEO and kind of identify what you believe would be a good set of KPIs. If you do that, I highly recommend don't go all command and control on them and be like, these are your KPIs wash hands, we're done. See you next week at the next meeting. It should be a conversation where it's like, this is my thinking. This is what I've drafted up. What's your perspective on it? Do you think they're realistic? All that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Flip version, very popular version, mind you. If you don't want nothing to do with writing out these KPIs, that is totally fine. Because let me tell you, The only reason I know about different KPIs for all of these roles is because I help people with hiring. So by consequence, I tend to see the KPIs they develop. You know what I mean? Right. But if I don't have an actual understanding of what good social media marketing looks like, how the heck am I supposed to define the KPIs for my social media manager? You know what I mean? So what you can do in that case is say, hey, this is how you create a KPI. Have you heard of KPIs, first of all? No? Okay. Listen to this episode. Go check out Tiana's stuff. Learn how to create a KPI. I want you to go ahead and identify a set of KPIs that you believe will demonstrate your success in this role. Mm-hmm. These are some of my thoughts about our goals, our company vision, what we're really shooting for. Now that you have this foundation, what do you think the KPI should be? That mm-hmm. could honestly be day two of onboarding if you wanted it yeah. to be. Yeah. Or at least in that first month, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really smart. I think it also is such a great way to check in on the new hire, like how the new hire sees 
themselves fitting in and how they like how they think about goals and what's attainable and what isn't all of those things that are intangible until you're in an experience with someone right oh yeah, yeah. it's always really interesting you know even if you don't have a super deep role a uh, deep understanding of their role and mm-hmm. like everything that it entails right I wouldn't know that you need a marketing budget if you want to get X amount of followers a day right right to hear what they come to the table with, Mm -hmm. it also will level set your expectations, Mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes we hire with all of the best intentions are supposed to help the business grow and serve the clients and all of that great stuff. But if we don't know the actual work that goes into these jobs because we haven't done it before or whatever the circumstances, we may have either much higher or much lower expectations of what can get accomplished in a certain time frame. And remember, KPIs are time bound. So it's not even just, yeah, I can get you 100 followers. It's like, yeah, I can get you 100 followers a day. You know right. what I mean? And that's really valuable information for us as CEOs. Yeah, absolutely. So this might seg in, segue into our next piece here, training and managing. But okay. I'd love to hear your thoughts about what it means, if anything, right, when we're, when we don't hit our KPIs in the beginning. So, yeah, mm. I'm gonna I'm just gonna ask you first. I have a mm-hmm. couple of thoughts, but I'd love to hear your take on it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things again, if you think about the smart goals, are mm-hmm. it goes back and forth. People say relevant or realistic, right? Yeah, but. I like to use relevant because I use the A as attainable. So the first question is, okay, did we completely like overshoot, right? Like, was this actually attainable based on all of this data that we now have? So I'm getting really technical now, but let's say it's somebody who contributes to the marketing and y'all have never calculated your average conversion rate. For Mm -hmm. webinars, when you do a webinar and you want to sell a program or something, and you've never actually calculated that conversion rate. So the person that was supporting you was like, yeah, we can definitely convert 15 people if we have an audience of 100 people, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, if we don't actually have the time-tested data of what our average conversion rate is, technically speaking, we were taking an educated shot in the dark. Okay. So that's not, that's not to say that everybody failed and we're all failures, but it's like, Hmm, wait a second. Maybe this wasn't as attainable as we thought. Maybe the webinar needed 500 people on it for us Mm -hmm. to be able to convert 15. I don't even know what type of conversion rate that is in my head, but as an example, you know what I mean? I'm with you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that's really smart. I know, I, and I'm in agreement. In the beginning with my team this year, we set a bunch of new KPIs that mm-hmm. were trackable weekly. And January and well into February, what we do on our spreadsheet is it's red, yellow, or green. So green, we hit the KPI. Red, okay. we like, didn't come close. And yellow is A for effort. <laughs> the whole spreadsheet was red right? Mm -hmm. And I saw that as good news because we're just gathering information and really figuring out what the KPIs need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just wanted to share that with our listeners in case, I guess KPIs need some some time to settle in. And right, it's just a way to get started and start thinking about people's roles in a different way. And then you can tweak KPIs to make sure that it You're reminds, yeah. And it reminds me like we're all business owners, right? So when you first entered business and you didn't have a consistent stream of clients, 
And people are like, well, how much do you make a month? It's like, I don't know. Last month I made 500 and this month I made $15,000. I have no idea. You know what I mean? We have to have a little bit of history. So don't stress out. Like she said, don't stress. It'll even out, but it is kind of like checks and balances, looking at how things are going and getting a really good sense of what they even should be. So just don't be surprised if you end up tweaking the KPIs. It is not a, you know, concrete document. It is a living, breathing document that will consistently change. And as things get better in your company, your KPIs are going to get harder to hit too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. All right. Let's talk about training. I want to get into training and managing a little bit. So a lot of our listeners, it's the Six Figure Coach Podcast. So they're coaches, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of them are I've mentioned it earlier, but like really up-leveling into hiring. So they are really used to doing all of the things all of the time and being the only person. So they don't really know that they're, they don't know that they don't know how to delegate. And I'm including myself, right? I did not know that I didn't know how to delegate Um, or get at like, when am I, when should I be involved? And when do I need to get out of the way? That whole piece. So I guess my question for you is, how can you help our listeners and me really get clear on our role as a leader and when to step in and when when to not step in? How do we lead without micromanaging? Great question. So first part of that actually goes all the way back to hiring, mm-hmm. which is if you take your time with a strategic hiring process, if you take your time onboarding and training and really making sure they're totally like dived in real deep to the company and they actually have a full understanding before we start heaping on all of the responsibilities. I get it because we're, some of us are drowning out here before we decide to hire, which is a mistake. Please hire before you're ready. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. (laughs) So I definitely get it and I feel your pain, but if we actually do those first initial steps correctly and successfully, then we've built a foundation of trust with the new hire. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people really Mm -hmm. underestimate because micromanagement at its core is a lack of trust. We don't trust them to care about our clients as much as we do. We don't trust the output of their work. We don't trust that they're going to do it the way that we would do it. You know what I mean? It's a lack of trust. Mm -hmm. And that is unfortunately one of those issues that is not super easily solved. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I would, I'll add like from a technical perspective. So that's like my philosophical perspective. It's important and there's real work that can be done there, but not anything I can explain in a podcast, to be honest with you. Yeah. But from a technical perspective, some of the things that you can definitely do is, especially if you're kind of new to this, the delegation feels weird. You're like, how do I, you know, a quality check, like, what do I do here? I often recommend just going ahead and thinking through what you want feedback processes to look like in regards to like, let's say someone writes a blog and let's say they like create content for you. So what is the process for them submitting it so that you can review, provide feedback or what have you? Because if you just go ahead and build that in from the ground up, just initially, that at least will give you an automatic touch point to be able to put eyes on things Mm -hmm. so that you can continue to refine the way they're working, refine the way you're working, provide feedback and slowly but surely, maybe at first there's like a couple of rounds and then maybe we take a step back. You know what I mean? So it can be kind of gradual, but that often helps a lot. Great. So here's, I heard three things. Number Mm -hmm. one, if you're hiring to put out a fire, 
It's not helpful. You have to hire before you're ready and hire slowly. Be conscientious that you're bringing in the right person to help the company grow instead of just someone in the vicinity who can solve an immediate problem. Number two, take the time in onboarding, whether they're working for you full-time or five hours a week, to help them buy into and understand the company culture and how their work fits into that. And then the third piece that I'm hearing you say is when it comes to delegating, and I know you're going to share a resource with us around delegation, so thank Mm -hmm. you for that. But when it comes to delegating, it's like building in the expectation for what feedback or checking in on them, air quotes, looks like, and then abiding by the rules you've set, right? So if we've agreed that on Thursday, you're going to have a draft for me on the blog, on Wednesday morning, don't ask how the blog is going, Mm -hmm. right? Set them up to succeed. Got it. Yep. Actually, that's the perfect example. So down to my interns, right? We had a very definitive feedback loop for a while because they were consistently creating content for us. And they would pitch their content idea first thing Monday morning. By the end of Monday, I would finalize with them what, you know, their approved pitch was going to be. By Wednesday evening, they submitted their first draft, which I took a look at on Thursday. And typically they were able to turn around because they're great writers. So typically they were able to turn around the edits between Thursday and Friday. I always gave them permission. If you turn it around on your own time on the weekend, that's totally fine because I do not check it again until Monday. Mm -hmm. And that was our feedback loop for something like submitting a blog. Thinking that through for each role, especially for whatever the most important responsibility and task that they have, can save you a lot of grief. Yeah. What I'm taking away from all of your incredible insight is just this, like, don't run, treat your team the way you treat your audience and your customers, right? Yes. We plan ahead. We know if we're selling a course that's eight modules, we know what the eight modules are. Mm-hmm. And yet hiring, we it's so easy to take on this, like we'll build the plane as we fly it, or we'll solve problems as they arise without mm-hmm. putting in that same level of love and respect that we do for our audience. Absolutely. Mm. And it goes down like this. That is an underlining of the entire conversation thus far. It goes all the way into company culture, building in an internal community. Like that's something Mm. I've been working with my clients on a lot, which is they actually, all the stuff we've talked about from a technical perspective, they have the systems, they have the structure. And something that's come out is, wow, we're really great at building community for our clients. And we don't do that internally right? So that that literally is the underpinning of everything. Yeah, that's really inspiring. You're just making me think about all of the ways, like what would be, how would I show up differently if I really committed to treating my team like I treat my audience? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's when you start, that's when you start to see leaders actually doing team retreats. Yeah. And having, you know, murder mystery parties and like happy hours or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be super formal. It doesn't have to be super silly. It's totally up to the vibe of your team. Mm -hmm. But that's when you start to see some of those things getting prioritized just as much as that weekly check-in or that strategic meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Okay. So I want to eat up every word (laughs) out of your mouth. I just think you're so... 
you, you, what you bring to the table is this perfect balance of like knowledge and intuition and common sense and respect for humans. So mm-hmm. I just, I'm so inspired by what you've shared today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I nerd out over this stuff all the time. I'm always like, we're all humans. Let's just make work a really good place for all of us. You know? Right. Yeah, that's so helpful. So I know I talked about it in the intro, but can you just share with our listeners the best place to find you to connect? And then tell us a little bit about this special delegation tool that you're going to share. Absolutely. So simply put, if you know my name, you pretty much know how to find me. I'm on Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, all the places at Tiana Tai. So it's T-I-A-N-N-A-T-Y-E. And my website is literally tianatai.com. But speaking specifically about the resource, I do have a resource that helps you figure out what tasks should be delegated. And even more than that, we actually break down, we do a full audit of everything you're doing in your business. And if you already have a couple of team members, we go ahead and take into account what they're contributing to the business. And then we assess what needs to get delegated, what needs to get automated, and what you can keep doing as the CEO. Because fun fact, I will never tell you to hire for something that a system can do. It's not fair to you. And it's not fair to the person who now has a really boring job that a literal algorithm does. You know what I mean? So we definitely think through what gets automated before we look at the delegation bucket, but that typically gives people a really solid foundation of the different tasks that they can go ahead and outsource. That's really helpful. Great. Thank you for that. And thank Absolutely. you for being on the show. It was really fun to connect with you. I learned yes, so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Six Figure Coach Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review the show. That's really the best way to show your support. Now, if your goal is to build a six-figure coaching business and you need a simple system to get there, I would love to invite you to join us inside the Six Figure Coach Club. I'm so proud of the community we've built there. Plus, the mentorship and training you'll receive is truly unmatched. Now, the first step to joining us is to actually watch the coach class. That way you can see how my approach to six figures can work for your business. And from there, you can apply to join us inside the club. So go to watchthecoachclass.com now to learn more about how I can help you reach your business goals inside the Six Figure Coach Club. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next week.